0: Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, we're reading only verse 9. Before we hear God's Word read, let's go go to Him again in prayer, asking for His help. Our Father in heaven, will You now, by Your Spirit, help us to understand and be transformed by this text of Your Holy Word. Amen. Matthew 6, 9. Pray then, like this Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thus far, the reading of God's holy word, and may God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Our last time together, we began with Jesus' assumption that we will pray we focused on his words when you pray he taught us how not to pray He doesn't want us to pray like play actors or pray actors being hypocritical in our prayers nor does he want us to pray like pagans with unbelief he wants us to pray instead secretly Seekingly, and certainly, that is what we saw last week, and now we come to the preface of this prayer and the first petition, and we are taking each of these at a time. Although we will approach this pattern of prayers, this great model of prayers systematically, we do not do so stoically. It is easy to come to this prayer and to pray it without feeling, or to pray it rather coldly, just Because this is something we were brought up praying without thinking. It's very easy to pray that way. To approach this prayer in these ways is a huge mistake. One that does not take to heart the preface of the prayer, the address of the prayer, who we are praying to, the very one we're praying to, our Father who is in heaven and we keep this in mind, or rather, when we keep Him in mind in our prayers, the feeling should return to our numbed souls, we pray. But first things first, we must fix in our minds who we are praying to and why we are praying. And we see that we, we pray for the glorification of our Heavenly Father's name as our chief prayer. It's our most important prayer. Jesus tells us how to pray, and we remembered from last time, in just the previous verses, that even before he directs this prayer to our Father, he tells us something about this Father of ours, that he already knows what we need. Before we ask, he already knows. This truth is one with which we should arm all of our prayers. He already knows what what we need. And so we come to our Father with faith. We come knowing full well that He knows full well our sorrows, our joys, our motives for praying, our needs. As William Perkins puts it, prayer is the key whereby we open the treasures of God and pull down His mercies upon us. We address God as Father, and to address God as Father is likely unsurprising to us, even taken for granted by us. But it was not so always. It was almost earth-shaking for all the Jews who shot their prayers heavenward. One One scholar did a thorough study of the word Father as a direct address for God and found not a single example in Jewish literature until the 10th century A.D. No doubt there are examples of God being referred to as Father. There are Scripture passages that display attributes common to fatherhood, like the one we read just a little bit ago, but not one example of a Jewish prayer to God as Father. But when Jesus came to earth, 99% of his prayers he addressed to God as Father. This way of praying landed him, as we know, in some hot water. As the Jews thought, it was blasphemous that he would refer to himself as the Son of God, making himself equal with the Father. And it would be blasphemy if he weren't the Son of God, if he weren't equal with the Father. But through this prayer, he shows us the intimacy that we can have in approaching God. Our God is our Father. He is our Father naturally and spiritually and so covenantally in the natural sense god is the father of all creatures who are made in his image no human being was created apart from the creative act of god the father this is what paul has in mind when he speaks to the athenians in acts chapter 17 everyone Whether he is a believer or an unbeliever, is God's offspring. In him we move and live and have our being. Because God has created us, then he is the father of of all fatherhood. He is so then naturally by creation. But this is not the sense that Jesus has in mind when he is directing our prayers, our father in heaven. Rather, he speaks of the grace of adoption. He speaks of those who have been given life through the spiritual seed, the offspring, the son, his son. And he speaks of those whose spiritual father formerly was the devil. He speaks also of those who have been given the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of adoption, by whom they can cry out, then, Abba, the Father. He speaks in this spiritual sense of those who in Christ can cry out to God, My Father. That's what he has in mind here. And when you pray, you pray, Our Father. You can pray, of course, My Father. But here it is, Our Father. That is, He's the Father not just of of you, but of, of others, collectively, covenantally, You pray as one individual connected to the whole, to the body of Christ. And then you pray for all those in that covenant. One of the vows that every member takes is, a couple of the vows, is to study the the purity and peace of the church. And it is to support the worship and the work of the church. these are prayers that we pray as a covenant community of God. We pray for the peace of the church. We pray that the church would grow in in greater purity. We pray that people would attend worship. That they might know the Lord with greater clarity. That they would follow him with greater faithfulness. We are praying then for others. We're not just praying for ourselves. Oh, we must pray for ourselves. We pray for others. We pray our Father, having others in mind when we pray. Oh, we have been blessed by God through the prayers of others, have we not? Certainly you can recount many times when people have been praying for you. They've they've told you that they have been praying for you, and you've even seen God's hand through their prayers. And likewise, we do not withhold these divine blessings from them when we pray for them. We are reminded to go to our Father, their Father. We are reminded when they ask us to pray for them. Pray to God as your Father. Do not pray to anyone else. Jesus does not want us to pray to the angels, however high they are on the angelic hierarchy. He doesn't want us to pray to the great saints of old, There's no need to pray to Father Abraham. Yes, you are his sons. But you do not pray to him as your father. He doesn't want us to pray to our earthly fathers. Who might now be in heaven. Our Lord tells us to pray to his father. Who has become our father. By the grace of adoption. Pray then to him as your father. Who has blessed you with the privilege of coming to him. This is where some of us might squirm a little in our seats, especially if we've had bad dads. Bad dads abound in a fallen world. They come in every sinful shape and size. They might display moments of of great love, but seasons of significant disappointment. By their example or by their foolish counsel, they might lead you astray from the path of wisdom, They might not even know you exist or wouldn't care to know if you did. Some dads spend their whole fatherhood neglecting their children, acting as if they didn't have any. Other dads would be better off not being fathers because of the damage that they have done to their children. And most tragically, there are many fathers who have abused their children in countless ways trying to apparently demonstrate that God the Father is cruel. Some dads are plain old terrible. But your father in heaven is none of those dads. Even the best of earthly dads cannot compare to our father in heaven. Good dads give us a sense of how great and good our father in heaven really is. just a semblance of an idea. But the reverse is not the case. Bad dads do not tell us how evil our Father in heaven is. They have veered off the path, they have left the example. You could say they demonstrate how evil their spiritual father, the devil, is. You don't need to struggle with approaching God as your father, like a son who has married into a family now might struggle calling his father in law dad. I know that's always been a struggle of mine. I just can't get that out. Though he is a father to me, it's hard to call him dad. Some do not have that challenge, but others do. Some have the problem of saying father every third word in a prayer, as if our God suffers from divine amnesia. Is divine amnesia oxymoronic? Apparently, he always needs to be remembered, reminded that he is a father to us. But others struggle with just getting that father word off the tongue. Our father in heaven. But try it if you struggle. It'll grow on you, especially as you grow as a son and daughter who belong to the father in heaven. Just begin our father. You could even begin our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. says our Lord and Savior Christ has taught us to pray. The blessing of divine fatherhood means that he is ready, that he is willing, that he is desirous of hearing from you, his child. He did not create spiritual life in you only to leave you forsaken outside the gates of heaven. But to come, and to come boldly, to come humbly, The rest of this address highlights the Father's heavenly location. His habitation is a heavenly one. He is in heaven. But do we really need to be reminded that the Father is not here with us? Aren't we painfully aware that the Holy God is not among us? Isn't this reality why we see all the evil in the world and why we ask that his name be hallowed here? Is the Son of God playing a sick joke on us? reminding us always that the Father is not here, reminding us of the Father's distance. Is He, is he too transcendent to be unapproachable? Now, it's no joke that the Son is plain, but our Lord is reminding us of a distance. It is a holy distance. The Son points us to the majesty, the exalted glory of His and our Father. He is not someone to trifle with. He is not someone to mess around with. He's not someone to be casual with. He is not your buddy. He is not your pal. He's not someone you shoot hoops with. He's not someone to have a late night drink with. Though he is the friend of sinners. He is the maker of heaven and earth. Heaven is his throne and earth is his footstool. His wisdom far exceeds yours. His majesty is unmatched. His justice is perfect. His truth ever shining. His mercy full of his divine compassion. He is quite simply the best father of all the fathers. Now, neighborhood kids will often show how much better they are than others by appealing to their own dads. And the argument goes like this. My dad does cool things. So because he's my dad, I'm better than you, because my dad's better than your dad. My dad does cooler things than your dad. That's how it goes. See so here, you hear things like this. Maybe you'll hear some cross Creek children saying stuff like this as they're in the, the playground area, just shooting the breeze, talking about each other's dads and say, "Well, my dad is better than yours, because he is the teacher." And one of them in the group says, "Oh, that's cool. that's cool. But mine is the pastor. A third will say, oh, that's nice, but mine is a farmer. Pretty nice, pretty nice. But check this out, another chimes in. Mine is a lawyer. Wow, that takes some extra schooling, a lawyer. Maybe even a lawyer for the, for the, uh, the military. I've got one better than all yours. Mine is a doctor. You know how much schooling you have to go through to learn to be a doctor? You have to remember all those facts. You can't just forget them. You can't just dump them out. That's pretty nice. Well, another one comes up with mic in his hand. He's about to drop, and he says, "Well, mine is special forces. Impressive." Just when the mic is about to drop, another one comes in. He overhears this healthy competition. young boy joins the others, and he confidently but calmly says, Very nice, boys, very nice, but mine is God. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, I guess he takes the cake, doesn't he? Give him the mic so he can drop it. Neighborhood boys do not alone have this privilege, this honor of calling God their father. We all do if we are in Christ. We have Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We have the Father as our Father. And so we, we come to our Father in prayer with reverence due his presence. Now, regardless of your view of the president, if you had a meeting with him, you would not be wearing the same clothes you wear shopping at Walmart. As great as Walmart is with its out-of-this-world prices, it is no heavenly habitation this is something we know. You might even think the one on Skybo is a place of hell. <laughs> because it's pretty brutal. Even though we do not have a dress code for coming to church, the whole idea of wearing your Sunday best recognizes the one that we are coming to. We are coming to worship God Almighty. God who is majestic. Now, certainly we would misapply this point if we say that we have to wear a three-piece suit or an honorable, uh, just modest flowing dress every single time we want to come to our Father in prayer, even for those four-second prayer. No, that's not what we're saying here. But we come humbly. We come reverently with our postures, with our requests, with our words, with our pleas. We come for Grace. Knowing that we need His grace, we need His mercy, we come honoring His being, who He is. We're reminded of Ecclesiastes 5. We guard our hearts when we go to the house of God, we avoid being rash with our mouths, we do not let our hearts be hasty in uttering a word before God. We're told quite plainly, God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. We come knowing our place. Knowing that we are not God. We are not almighty. We are not all-knowing. We are not everywhere. We are not all-powerful. We cultivate holy words We cultivate holy affections. We conduct ourselves in holiness because he is holy. So we come to our Father with both love and fear. We come with love because we are his children. And any father worth the title Father is one of love. So we come acknowledging that he loves us. But we also come with fear. We come with that reverence, Because he is our Father. Again, he isn't our buddy. He is our Father. And if we are to keep the fifth commandment in any true sense of the word, we must acknowledge first our Father as our Father. With this humility and reverence at heart, we prioritize our petitions. We see the first petition, Hallowed be your name. What's... What's in a name? Well, biblically, quite a lot, actually, as we've seen over the years. Won't go through an extended exposition of the term name, but just a couple passages get at a summary of, of what it is to, to have a name. It's in reference to God himself. First Kings 5.5 5 says, "'He shall build a house to my name.'" When we speak of the name of God, we speak of God himself. And we also speak of his attributes. In Exodus 34, for instance, when the Lord proclaimed his name to Moses, what did he do? He proclaimed his mercy, his grace, his slowness to anger, his abundance of love, his faithfulness. So when we proclaim the name of of Christ, we proclaim Christ as as God. And we proclaim his attributes how he has revealed himself, and this petition is, "Hallowed be your name." Perhaps we only know this word this, in the month of October with Halloween. This word, which is an older term, simply means to set apart. It means to, um, to sanctify. It means to identify as a special. To pray this prayer is not to say that the Lord's name needs to be more and more hallowed in itself. It is the name above all names. We do not make God's name greater. We do not add anything to the name of God. His reputation is impeccable. His reputation, his being is pure and holy. He is infinite in wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. We don't add anything to the name itself. But our chief prayer in this petition is that we can be used by God to tell ourselves and to tell others about the glory, about the honor, the might, the justice, the purity, the love of God with greater faithfulness. Ask yourself if you prioritize the hallowing of God's name above all. Now, William Perkins raises a question in his exposition of lord's prayer that perhaps few today ask and here's the question should we prefer the glory of god to the salvation of our own souls in other words if you had to choose between god's name being hallowed but your soul damned forever or your soul eternally saved but god's name dishonored which would you choose if you had to choose only one? That's quite the question, isn't it? I wonder if you've thought about that. It really puts our priorities before us, doesn't it? It really presses the Westminster Shorter Catechism one to us. What is man's chief end? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Would we say, yes, Let my soul be damned if that would be be to the glory of God. Now to say that is to say from a changed heart. It is to evidence that that heart has been changed. To prioritize the glorification of the name of God is to show that God has been working in that heart. No unconverted, no unregenerate would ever say something like that. He would say, well, I want to be saved. I want to be delivered, whatever that looks like. God's name be damned if I can be saved forever. This is our major prayer. This is our daily and most important prayer that God's name would be hallowed in everything, in us, in everyone, in all that we do, in all that we say, in all that we think. We need God's name to be hallowed in our own hearts, first and foremost. Yes, Christ is king over heaven and earth, but that includes your heart. You'd pray that Christ would rule your own heart. We need God's name to be hallowed in our marriages. We need God's name to be hallowed in our jobs. We need God's name to be hallowed in our towns, our cities, our states, nation, the world over. Let us then humbly, reverently, confidently pray for his name to be hallowed everywhere. But will he answer such prayer? Dear ones, would Jesus tell us to pray this prayer? if His father wouldn't. Let's pray. Gracious God, our Father in heaven, we thank you for this word. We thank you for reminding us of who you are and who we are. That we can always come to you as our father. Help us, Lord, to prioritize our prayers that your name would be hallowed in our lives first and everywhere else. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.